This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. It has happened in Vegas. The Cubs going to stay in Vegas. And for the first time, the Golden Knights are Stanley Cup champions. Okay, so it wasn't much of a game last night. There was a couple. There were a couple of flickers by the Florida Panthers, certainly early, uh, where Vegas looked really out of sorts for the first, I don't know, five, maybe ten minutes, where it seemed as if they were maybe a little bit overwhelmed by the situation. Florida obviously desperate. Uh, a brief sort of flicker of hope for the Florida Panthers when Aaron Ekblad cut the lead in half early in the second period. But this game was all... Vegas as the Florida Panthers flat out ran out of gas. Congratulations to the Vegas Golden Knights. There are plenty of people sort of, you know, in in the spirit of you don't necessarily have to cheer for a team to cheer for some people on that team, whether it's players, whether it's coaches, um, whether it's capologists. And I want to get to that in a couple of seconds here, whether it's broadcasters, whether it's managers, maybe even it's the owner himself, Tom Foley, who made the big proclamation about doing this in, in six years. Uh, congratulations to the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, great to see. Really nice touch, by the way. We've talked about it plenty. You saw it last night. Elliot and Dave showed it. The, uh, the missed starting the game as well and when the crowd at T-Mobile Arena finally clued in to who exactly was there for the opening face-off it was loud and the one thing that comes through pretty loud is how much of an attachment there is between those fans those players and that team now it hasn't exactly been a uh, smooth road I know no one's gonna say like okay like you're gonna talk to me about you know roller skating down a gravel road when a team wins a Stanley Cup from inception to six years later No, pump the brakes. I know we have a lot of fun at the idea of, oh, the long-suffering Vegas Golden Knights fans. Um, First of all, I got no problem with that. Um, You play the hand you're dealt. If we may borrow a casino reference. Um, This is a Vegas Golden Knights team that was built a very, very unique way. And as I've said before on this show, on the uh, 32 Thoughts podcast as well, I think when the book is written on this generation of hockey, there are a couple of things. There are two key moments that I believe really juiced franchise values. We're going to get into some of the clips that we heard from last night, some really emotional things on the ice. Gary Lawless is coming up in a couple of moments to do a victory lap. I consider him, with all due respect to the real mayor in Vegas, I consider Gary Lawless, albeit he's a Canadian from Peterborough, uh, I consider him to be the mayor of Las Vegas. Um, So we'll get there in a couple of seconds. But there are two key moments If you believe the real game of the NHL is to raise franchise values, and I'm always reminded, always reminded, don't ever lose sight of Gary Bettman's number one job, and that is franchise values. And we just saw this play itself out with Michael Andlauer buying the Ottawa Senators. But there are two key moments in this era of hockey that raise franchise values more than anything else. One, the lockout of 0405. And it was painful, and a lot of people lost their jobs uh, on and off the ice. A lot of players didn't come back, folks, from that lockout. And a lot of people that were in hockey found work elsewhere and didn't come back to hockey. Um, But nonetheless, the moment the salary cap came in and costs started to become a little bit more certain. Remember all the talk about cost certainty? When the NHL achieved that, franchise values started to go up, 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 up. But of recent note, I don't know that there's anything right now that's raised franchise values or the idea of standing in line to get an expansion team from the National Hockey League quite like the expansion draft rules. And I don't think for a second that when the new rules were drawn up, because much to the chagrin of Columbus, Minnesota, Nashville. The expansion rules that were enjoyed by Vegas and most recently Seattle were not enjoyed by them. Now, I don't think that the intention was we're going to create a scenario whereby we're going to make these new expansion rules and automatically a team like Vegas 
or a team like Seattle, who just knocked off the defending Stanley Cup champions in their second season of existence, are going to be instantly competitive for the Stanley Cup. I don't think that was the intention. I don't think that was the plan. The plan was just to make them not awful, I think, more than anything else. I think the, there was an understanding that if you're paying you know, $500 million, and man, that seems like a bargain now, doesn't it? $500 million for an expansion franchise, you should at least be okay. You should at least not humiliate yourself like a lot of other teams have in the past and and wallow in mediocrity for a number of years until maybe you get lucky with a free agent and maybe some of those draft picks start to play itself out and, and, and start to work for you or maybe you get lucky with a goaltender and somehow you make it to the playoffs and maybe you even win a couple of games. So I don't know that the intention was for these rules to help Vegas make it to the Stanley Cup final in their first season of existence, but they did. I don't know that creating these expansion rules was to help the Seattle Kraken make it to the playoffs in the second in the in the in their second season of existence and knock off the Colorado Avalanche defending Stanley Cup champions, but they did. And I think what this has done to the marketplace, and maybe this is the uh, the law of unintended consequences in a good way. I think what this has done to the NHL marketplace, and you see this with people like. Well, Ryan Smith, who we had on the 32 Thoughts podcast a couple of, uh, couple of weeks ago, he's the, uh, the gentleman from, uh, from Eugene, Oregon, who owns the Utah Jazz of the NBA, also has a, uh, has a team in, in, uh, in MLS, the Salt Lake Squad. Um, you're starting to see now people line up for expansion and want to get in, whether it's Atlanta, and that's real, folks. I know longtime hockey fans will say, what? The Flames didn't work. The Thrashers didn't work. Why is it going to work now? Make no mistake about it. Atlanta, Atlanta's, Atlanta is there for an expansion market again. Um, uh, Elliot's brought up the point, and I agree with him, that even if the Arizona Coyotes leave, whether it's to Houston or Salt Lake City, wherever, that the NHL is not going to abandon that market, and they will go back. There's no way they're going to leave that state with that potential open for very long. We talk about Houston as well. There, there are, are a lot of owners now that want to get in, and I think a lot of it is you look at the Vegas Golden Knights, and now they've won the Stanley Cup inside of six years. There is an environment that's been created where a team like Vegas can win the Stanley Cup quickly, can get there quickly. And I think what that has done is juice franchise values, certainly for expansion teams. And if the Ottawa Senators are going for $950 million, what's the next round of expansion going to go for? Especially now that you see the Vegas Golden Knights with the expansion rules that everyone's going to be enjoying now for the longest time. What do you think is going to happen? Like, what do you think the price tag is going to be for the next wave of expansion? $1 billion? Once upon a time, we thought that was ludicrous, and that wasn't even that long ago, but I think that's probably what we're looking at now. A few people that I'm really happy for personally. I'm really happy for Bruce Cassidy, who 365 days ago, today, he was fired from the Boston Bruins. Not wanted on the voyage. This was after he was assured that he would be back as the head coach of the Boston Bruins. He grew up a Boston Bruins fan. That was always his team. That was the biggest joy in his life. Now, probably the second biggest joy in his life. Really happy for him. A lot of people said, you can't, that guy can't win, right? He got close with the Bruins in 219, lost to the St. Louis Blues. You're not going to win with Bruce Cassidy. Just like you're not going to win with Jack Eichel, right? Now, I have no problem with Jonathan Marcheseau as the, uh, the playoff MVP, the Consumite Trophy winner, but if I had a vote, it would have been Eichel. Like, if everything was neck and neck going into last night's game between Jonathan Marcheseau and Jack Eichel, I think you can throw Aiden Hill in there as well. That game by Eichel, all three zones, dynamic, all the assists, all of it, the zone entries, the defensive play, Eichel was outstanding again last night. Although, coming out of it, we're going to talk about Mark Stone and the hat trick. 
and Mark Stone and the goal celebrations. And with all due respect to Alexander Ovechkin, there is no better goal celebration in the NHL than a Mark Stone goal celebration. It really is a thing of beauty. And we've seen a lot of great cup lifts before, right? That moment where Bettman releases the cup after the two-shot with Stanley. Let's go of the cup, and it's over to the captain, and it goes up, and there's that face. Seeing Mark Stone's reaction was one for the ages. Feel good for Mark Stone. Feel good for Jack Eichel. Feel good for Bruce Cassidy. Feel good for a lot of people who are going to go over in this organization of not wanted on the voyage. You got there controversially or you got there because someone else didn't a like you, didn't believe in you, or didn't think you were any good. And there is a lot of poetry. And if you're one that loves, you know, the poetry of hockey, Jonathan Marcheseau. Please take Jonathan Marcheseau off our hands, say the Florida Panthers. Jonathan Marcheseau wins the Consmite Trophy, wins the Stanley Cup against a team that said, day late, dollar short, beat it, guy. There's no room at the inn for you. We're going to talk a lot about the Vegas Golden Knights today. Uh, and we're going to do so with uh, the person who I said right off the top of the show is the mayor of Vegas without, you know, offending the real mayor of Las Vegas. And I don't even know who that is. But my mayor of Las Vegas is Gary Lawless, and he joins me now. Gary, how are you today, pal? Uh, well, <laughs> how would you? I'm a, I'm a better expected. <laughs> we had a pretty great night last night. It's... Uh, it's Las Vegas, and it doesn't close, and uh, it didn't last night. That's, uh, that's a lot of okay, people. Okay, hey, hang on. Come. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, come clean, Gary. You haven't slept yet, have you? I got about, uh, uh, well, I, I, I'm, it's kind of fuzzy. I think I, I went on the radio in my hometown, <laughs> Peterborough, uh, at around five, 4.45 in the morning, and then... I think I had something to eat, and then uh, um, yeah. Yeah, I think I got about uh, 40 winks. But, uh, yeah, we're, there'll, be a little more, there'll be a little nap after this call. Let's put it that way. Okay, let me ask you another candid question. If you needed to pass the breathalyzer test to be on this show, would you be on with me right now? 50-50. <laughs> well listen bud uh i thought of you last night i think a lot of us did as well anyone that's known you for a long time knows how how passionate you are not just about hockey but specifically uh the vegas golden knights and how you talk about them and how you understand them and how you get the players uh, and the managers and the coaches and you know all the backstories of all of them and all the, you know, the way that this, this, this vast spider web of, of players and coaches and managers all work in this, you know, th- this team of, uh, this team of, as they call them, misfits or not wanted on the voyage, um, all coming from different places to come together to find a common identity and a common home. I was mentioning a few off the top. I'm really happy for Bruce Cassidy, man. I'm really, really happy for him. I'm happy for Eichel. I'm happy for Zach Whitecloud. Uh, I'm happy for Mark Stone. I'm happy for Kelly McCrimmon. And hearing him talk about his late brother Brad and his mom and dad last night was a beautiful thing. Um, but when the team started pouring over the boards, albeit before the final buzzer actually went, way to jump the gun in Vegas, Golden Knights, about 10 seconds left they're piling over the boards um who did you think of gary like who are the people that you thought of right away and said man i feel great for this person yeah the first person i thought of was kelly mccrimmon uh kelly has a, a wound that uh that will that will never be healed uh he, he still lives a great life and he still has a wonderful family and he misses his brother every day uh, I thought of this a while ago that uh, you know they're both going to have their names up. Brad and Kelly will have up their names on yep. the Stanley Cup, and they'll be together again in 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 some fashion. And Kelly, uh, you know, li- has lived in Brad's shadow to a great degree in terms of what Brad accomplished in the National Hockey League. Not anymore, you know, yeah. Kelly 
Kelly chose to ply his trade in, in the Western Hockey League and was tremendous uh, as an owner, manager, and coach at that level. And you know, Mike Babcock, he had it right when he said that Tony McCrimmon was, in his in his view, one of the smartest minds of hockey. And, uh, you know, I'll put Kelly right there with Julian Breezeball. I think now, uh, over since 2017-18, the Tampa Bay Lightning have won 13 playoff rounds and two Stanley Cups. The Vegas Golden Knights have now won 11 playoff rounds and one Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Like they're neck and neck as, uh, as the most successful franchises since Vegas joined the National Hockey League. And it's uh, like Kelly and George McPhee. The, the, the second person that I thought of was George because, you know, yep. another guy who had accomplished everything in hockey except for this. You know, lost in Vancouver, lost in Washington, lost in Vegas, three trips to the Cup. Came up empty, and uh, and last night, uh, you know, he 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 got it done. And he, I spoke to him after the game, and he said, "It's not getting your name on the cup. It's the experience, and it's what it's done for for this city." And mm-hmm. this is this is just George and I talking. This isn't you know him making a statement that's going to be you know read and paraded all over the place. It's what he truly feels. Which is uh, tells you a lot a lot about about the person. Late last night, I sat at a table with uh, Dave Gosher and his beautiful wife Christine, Shane Knighty, and his beautiful wife Michaela, and my beautiful wife Jennifer. And I, I looked at all three at everyone, and I said, uh, I raised a glass and I said, "Here's to taking a chance." Like, yeah, Dave Gosher was the radio, yeah. was the play-by-play voice for the Boston Bruins. Shane Maddy was yep. on his way to, to to national broadcasting heights, and I had a pretty good job myself. And we all decided to to come to to, to Las Vegas and 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 roll the dice on this, literally. Uh, and uh, man, oh man, it's been fantastic. Well, it, no, and listen, uh, you've you've hosted us uh, a number of times when we were there. You are, listen, your 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 legend continues uh, to grow. I mean, as far as being an ambassador for not just the team but the city uh, of Las Vegas as well. I, I am curious, you know, Gary. I've never I've never asked you this before. Why did you do it? Like, why did you make that decision to leave Manitoba and go to Nevada? Yeah, I thought about that yesterday. Um... You know, I grew up in Peterborough, and uh, and when I, you know, when it was time to go to university, I chose to move away. Uh, when I was done journalism school, I was offered a job in Peterborough, and I was offered a job in Thunder Bay. I chose Thunder Bay. Um, when I'd been there for a while, uh, I got invited to go work for the Toronto Argonauts, uh, which I did, and we won the Grey Cup. Uh, and then I got invited to go to Winnipeg. Um, and I had 18 incredible years there. I met my wife and I met my daughter. Uh, <laughs> we had a we had a daughter. I guess I met her. Um, uh, and yeah. uh, I was ready for another adventure. You know, I it just uh, I I guess I I have a little bit of that in my soul, uh, and uh, it, it just seemed like a really cool challenge and an opportunity for for my family to experience something different and uh yeah it's uh it's, it, it, it was completely unknown at what was going to happen and that yeah. really spoke to me in some way so here's what i wonder about so i want to i want to swing back to kelly mccrimmon here so I, I got to know sure. Kelly when I was doing a lot of junior hockey here at Sportsnet, and he was uh, owning, managing, coaching everything, bottle washing, peanut vending, everything for the uh, for the Brandon. Driving Williams. the bus, um, he drove the bus, he literally all, all of bus. it, right? Like Ke- Kelly did all of it for the for the Wheaties, and I know how close junior hockey still to this day is 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 to his heart. Um, do you think? Oh, how about this one? What do you consider to be, with Vegas, Kelly McCrimmon's signature move? 
Is it either a big one, Petrangelo Eichel? Is it a smaller one that pays off huge, Ivan Barbashev? Uh, is it any number of the goaltenders? When you think of Kelly McCrimmon, if I, if I said to you, Gary Lawless, you can only name one move, like one signature move for Kelly McCrimmon. Which one is it? It's Nick Law. Really? The, uh, it's Nick Law, and it's because it's the collaboration. So, like, so late last night, when we were, when uh, after the cup was handed out, I left the radio booth and went downstairs. We had a wireless set, and I went out on the ice. And while I was waiting to go on the ice, I, I, I was in, a, in one pen, and there was a pen beside me that was full of family, and then it was full of scouts. And it was uh, you know, Scott Luce, Jimmy McKenzie, Kent Hawley, uh, you know, uh, Alex Dignac, on and on and on. And, like, they flew in everyone. They flew in all their guys from Europe. Mm. They brought in all their guys from Canada, Bruno Campisi, uh, uh, you know, Bobby Rose and Von Carpenter were on the ice. But those, all those people, you, you, if you ask them about Kelly McCrimmon, they'll, they will go on and on and on and on. He involved, the Nick Law deal involved people who'd seen uh, Nick play junior in Quebec. Uh, Raphael Pouliot yep. would have said, this, is, this player has upside. Uh, Ron Carpen would have gone to the Calder Cup the year before and watched uh, Nick Waugh play for the Charlotte Checkers and say, this guy's an NHL center. And then, then Kelly would have looked at his roster and said, you know what, Eric Hall is going to be too expensive. He doesn't fit. Let's see if we can. Let's see if we can. Let's see if we can find someone to take him, and get get a piece in return that w- that we think is is undervalued, and that's exactly what they did. And Nick Waugh has become a you know great piece of of the Golden Knights. The Eichel deal, the Stone deal, the Petrangelo deal. A lot of that is Kelly looking across talking across a phone line just to a general manager and he can grind he he, he can do that mm-hmm. without question but if you asked him what his favorite thing is i believe he would say to you in five involving our getting our analytics team and our salary cap people to find something like this guy doesn't make very very much money our analytics guys say we think mm-hmm. he's got upside then we put our pro scouts their eyes on him and they say Absolutely, this guy's got more. Then we go to our amateur scouts and say, "What did you see from him when he played?" And then you get you, you get all this collaboration, you get all this alignment, and then Kelly gets on the phone and makes the deal. Mm-hmm. What did you uh, What did you make of Cassidy's move with the uh, the opening uh, the opening lineup last night? And did you know? Did not know. Uh, I think it did two things. I think it, got, I think it was a, a tip of the cap to the players and to the fans, but it also said to the team, I'm about to do something out of the ordinary because I know we're going to win. Because if you don't win that game, that, that could fall flat in your face. Oh, you want to do this gimmick, eh? You want to break your lines up and mm-hmm. put five guys on the ice just because, they, just because of their history with the team? Like, that's something that you do in the regular season. It's not something you do in a clinching game of a Stanley Cup unless you have supreme confidence in your group. And it sends a message to the group. I, uh, I believe in you guys so much that I'm going to do this for the fans. It puts the game, mm-hmm. game kind of second for a shift, and it puts a nod to history first. And it wasn't a very good shift, to be honest with you. 
<laughs> oh, listen, so, jo- listen, uh, George McPhee joked about that afterwards on the ice. I'm not sure if you saw the interview that that McPhee had, but George McPhee essentially said, "Yeah, I didn't know he was gonna he was gonna do it, and if I knew it was gonna happen, I'm paraphrasing McPhee now. Uh, you know, I, I yeah. if I knew it was gonna happen, I would have advised against it because it wasn't exactly a great first shift. They pinned us back into our, in our own zone for the for the almost the the entirety of the first shift. So George had uh, some fun there. Um, do you have a thought on George McPhee? Through all of this, like I, I, I always look at this team, and right now, of course, we think of Kelly McCrimmon. But you know, even if it's just like you know, one of the final gifts as general manager that McPhee gave this team, Chandler Stevenson, which is going to go down as one of the great trades in the history of the Vegas Golden Knights, fifth round pick. Yeah, and that's that, that trade is another. It's a that's a collaboration deal, right? That's our that's our people. Uh, you know, our salary cap people looking at, you know, every day, looking at every team's cap situation and looking at, at Washington's and knowing that they are getting healthy and, and saying to themselves, who's not in their lineup? It's Chandler Stevenson. They're going to have, they're going to have to wave him. And our guys said, and then, you know, again, Kelly would have looked at, at Chandler Stevenson across the ice for four years when they were both in the Western league. And they would have, they, yep. you know, they believed that sending a fifth that way was was worth it. So, uh, here's my thing on George. Um, his decision to change his title and, and and become the president and cede some of the general manager duties to Kelly to keep to keep Kelly with the organization and not let him go to the Edmonton Oilers when they asked for permission to speak to him. Uh, says a lot about George. You know, uh, uh, there's a cop I've seen. Uh, it's not there all the time, but I have seen a copy of, uh, of Ego is, is Your Enemy in, in George's office. Uh, he is, uh, you know, he's a proud guy for sure, but he's, uh, he's also has that great ability to look in the mirror and decide, uh, which to me is true leadership, what is what's best for the organization. And he, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, he hired Kelly. He put this. They, they put this blueprint together. But he constantly, uh, you know, gives people opportunity and helps people grow. And uh, they, Kelly's the captain for sure, but George is the admiral. Don't get that wrong. He's got. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's, he's got a huge, huge place here. And uh, I, I would tell you this, I think the, the, everyone says, oh, you need a, a president and a general manager. Well, tell me where it works. Tell me where that relationship has been, has been successful. Mm-hmm. It, not very many places, because not many presidents can leave their general manager alone and let him do his thing and be collaborative uh, and and also work well with ownership. It, uh, that piece of it, of Vegas, no one has that has a, has. We just so happened in Toronto with Janet and Dubas. Right? We don't even we don't know how much dysfunction was there, but clearly there was. Um, uh, it's yeah. the the McPhee McCrimmon president general manager relationship is the best in the NHL. There's no there's no no one's close in that regard. So I, I look at let me, let me uh, I got a couple more and then I'll, I'll let you get on with um, with your nap which no, okay. uh, you, you told I, me is I'm on the horizon. Right okay, okay. So you're you're rolling here. So let me ask about this. Yeah. Um, through everything, and this was some great planning and and work by George McPhee, uh, great planning and work by Kelly McCrimmon, and with any successful team, you do need some luck like how many times have you thought about you know the what ifs of all of this like what if the buffalo sabers allow jack eichel to have artificial disc replacement what if the st louis blues acquiesce to a full no move clause with alex with with alec petrangelo like there are so many you know what ifs in and in, in any team really but really specifically with the vegas golden knights you know what if you know dale talon didn't you know didn't make his decision about you know riley smith and jonathan marsh is so um how how often does the team talk about that how often do you think about that because the great unspoken thing is if you're going to win you need some luck along the way 
Yeah, you know, I think we, I think sometimes we look back on uh, on the Pacioretty trade and say, and, and listen, that was a good trade for Vegas. Max Pacioretty scored 97 goals for the Vegas Golden Knights, and and took and was part of a team that went to two Final Fours, but they wanted Cody Glass, and and we held firm yeah. and kept Glass, and you know, so what if we had said, okay, fine, take Glass, we'll keep Suzuki. Uh, that, that that there's a different piece there. Um, you know, I, I often say, "What if about Nolan Patrick? Uh, his career cut mm. short by injury, and I, I think there was a real good player there that just it just yep. never never worked never worked for him." Uh, but I, I don't, you know what I mean? When you like the, the Petrangelo and the Stone and the Eichel situations, uh, every other team in the league had an opportunity. To get to make those deals, and Kelly made them. Yeah. Uh, so I guess my the, the bit of luck is I would say uh, fortune favors the bold because Kelly. Uh, well, you, uh, yeah. Not afraid to make not afraid to make hard decisions, and not not afraid to follow through with uh, with with big time actions. The guy's got balls. He's got brains and he's got balls. Yeah. There's just absolutely uh, no question about that. So, so here, here's the other part of it, too. You have to have, and this sort of winks to what you're talking about here, you have to have a place where players want to go. And, you know, Brian Burke would always tell me, he would say, Merrick, you would be amazed if you could see no-move clauses on all the Canadian kids' contracts in the NHL just to see how many players, Canadian-born players, have all the Canadian teams on their no-move said you would be shocked part of this as well and we see this with the florida panthers now we've certainly seen this with tampa i think we're going to see more of this with places like dallas specifically and we're really seeing it here with the vegas golden knights um players want to go there players want to play there and it's not just because oh it's vegas and it's party time and uh you know we we want to play for las vegas but we don't want to play for the knights like that was the thing for the arizona coyotes well the 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 phoenix coyotes specifically everybody always say they wanted to play for phoenix but nobody said they wanted to play for the coyotes they just wanted to live in phoenix um but what is it about vegas specifically that is so attractive so attractive to players well, Berkey also told you that no one was going to want to go to Vegas, right? He he also started that uh, after the after the Nate Smith trade. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there was that older. Oh, they're, they're 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 so ruthless. Uh, the players are get players yeah. are going to stay away because yeah. they can they can't feel like they can plant roots. So so here's here's how it works: agents and parents want the player to make as much money as they can and have security. The players want to win Stanley Cups. Well, that's Vegas. Mm-hmm. It's, it's as simple as that. The, Listen, the, the players look at the organization and go, that team's going to win. I want to be part of that. Ivan Barbashev's going to have a big decision to make here. He, you know, he's been playing on the line with yeah. Jack Eichel and Jonathan Marshall. He's had the most productive stretch of his career. He just won a Stanley Cup. But someone's going to come out with a truck of money. And he's gonna, and, you know, yep. Vegas is gonna have some limitation uh, because of what they built here. Uh, I think they, they probably would love to sign him. The guy was very important in this Stanley Cup ring run. He was the best, the best trade acquisition uh, at the deadline. Von Carpenter and Jim McKenzie have their fingerprints all over that deal. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 I think the players really want to win and. They can get their agent, their mom and dad, off their back by saying, "Hey, it's a uh, it's no tax state. It's also a really cool place to live. They, the, the way they they mm-hmm. built George. This this was all George. George envisioned having a practice arena and an office and a, and a setup in an area where the players could live three, four, five minutes away in 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 the type of housing that they want to live in uh, and." You know, with Whole Foods on on every corners and golf courses yep. and tennis clubs yep. and uh, all of that stuff. Like living in Summerlin is it's Pleasantville in many ways, right? Like it's uh, mm. um, it, it's uh, it, it's just a really nice place. 
and uh, the guys the guys all drive they drive their cars to the, to the rink in uh, in shorts and flip flops almost exclusively. You know, they go into the rink. They there's they have their own chef. It's it's uh, you know, I don't know what every other team does. I know I know most teams cook for their players, but it's done really really well here. They hired great training people. Uh, they they hired they, George went out of the box and hired a director of performance, a guy named uh, um, Jay Millette, who ran who looked after the athletes for Cirque du Soleil for over a decade all around the world. It's just mm. it's everything was George put all of his experiences into building this and making it the perfect place for a hockey player to live, play, and excel. And at the end of the day, I think that's what they all want. And it's worked. Um, listen, this has been a lot of fun. Listen, uh, you're one of the people that I'm really happy for as well. Um, uh, more celebrations on the horizon. Uh, more parties on the horizon. The Cup was going to go, you know, coast to coast to coast through Canada once again. Uh, you know, the most number of Canadians of, uh, of any team in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So uh, Canada's going to get the Cup again. It just won't be a team that gets the Cup, comma, again. Uh, Gary, always good catching up, my man. Uh, enjoy the spoils of what a Stanley Cup brings. You and uh, you and that whole team deserve it. Thanks, as always, for stopping by. Thanks, as always, for having me, Jeff. Uh, this was a lot of fun this morning and uh, kind of cool to, to open a few doors. But uh, your questions were excellent, and I got to think about some stuff that I otherwise may not have. So thank you. Well, there's going to be a lot of the memories pouring back, I would imagine, over the next couple of days. Gary, you be well. There's Gary Lawless. Uh, who's joined this program a number of different times. I, I love talking to, 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 to Gary, uh, Golden Knights insider and radio analyst for the Vegas Golden Knights. And, you know, he put it at 50-50, whether he'd path a, pass a, a breathalyzer to get on this show, not a chance. It is not 50-50. That's probably closer to uh, 80-20. <laughs> Do we have a policy about that around here, by the way? If so, I think I just violated it. Uh, congratulations to the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, coming up at the top of hour two, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN stops by. We'll get his thoughts uh, on the Vegas Golden Knights uh, and their victory. Also, what's next for the Florida Panthers? Uh, thoughts on their run. How about Matthew Kachuk? Right? How about Matthew Kachuk and his broken sternum? Couldn't play last night, but did play game four with a broken sternum. Gudis with the high ankle sprain, Bennett with the injury against the Maple Leafs, Aaron Ekblad, right? Defenseman, broken foot, that was against the Bruins. Shoulder dislocation, I believe two, and a torn oblique, and played through it. Here's the thing about being a physical team. I was making this point last night to someone. Here's the thing about being a physical team in the playoffs. It's great for a round. You can get away with it. It's great for two rounds. You can get away with it. It's great for three rounds. You can get away with it. It's great for four rounds. There's no way you can get. There's no way you can have a physical team. If you're playing that way for three rounds, there's no way you can continue that level of punishing the other team because your body goes through it too. There's like no way you can do that through four rounds. And that's why what I think what we saw this series with the Florida Panthers was just the Florida Panthers too banged up, too injured, too out of gas. They had a good start. Give it to them. They had a good start to the game yesterday. Aiden Hill was spectacular. Uh, the save on Lundell on the breakaway and then the, uh, the save on Barkoff as well. Uh, which I believe that was the one that led to the Mark Storm shorty uh, to kick off the scoring. Fantastic. Uh, congratulations to Vegas. Congratulations to uh, Consmite Trophy winner Jonathan Marcheseau. Uh, we'll come back and play some clips from last night and also Greg Wyshynski still to come. Uh, more on the Cup Final. Oh, by the way, a little bit of news. And Elliot would be on, but he's traveling. Uh, so Elliot returns to the program tomorrow. One other bit of news I'm sure you know by now. Jason Spezza has been named the assistant general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins, I think to nobody's surprise. And I know the question is, assistant to who? Uh, that won't be named until July. Uh, right now, Cal Dubas acting as the uh, the interim 
general manager. Anyway, that's the other bit of news for the uh, for the day. Uh, Greg Wyshynski, top of the hour. Some clips and comments from last night as we continue to talk about the Vegas Golden Knights, your 2023 Stanley Cup champions. Merrick show continues across the Sportsnet radio network simulcast on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet Now. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Thanks to Gary Lawless for stopping by. Vegas Golden Knights insider and radio analyst. Thanks to to the, the man... The myth, the legend, the caller of the cup champions, Gary Lawless. Greg Wyshynski coming up here in about 15 minutes' time. I don't know if Greg is still buckled from last night, but we'll see. There's always a chance, I suppose. Uh, Matty Marchese, our producer. Quick, before we get to some of these uh, these clips here that I want you to throw to, what did you think of last night? And did you have any sort of profound moments, moments you're like, ah, oh, I'm feeling really good for this person? Yeah, I just, I mean, first of all, the game sucked. Uh, for the most part. Um, but I think don't tell well, those the fans. Pe- yeah, honestly. Um, well, for them, it was great. Um, but for, yeah. I, I, I really felt happy for the, you know, as somebody put it in your QOD, um, the survivor six is what they should be called. And those guys that had <laughs> been there from the beginning and they, yeah. you know, I really felt Jonathan Marshall. So is the guy that I felt the best for because he was undrafted. Uh, he was not protected in the expansion draft. We know all that story. All the guy has done is put up numbers with the Golden Knights. And then for him to be the guy who wins the Conn Smythe trophy, I thought that that was the, you know, like you put it the other day, it was kind of the perfect ending to this story. And uh, there's there's just so many people that I felt really, really good for. Um, Alec Petrangelo with all that he's been through this season. Uh, Jack Eichel. um, George McPhee, Kelly McCrimmon, all those people, and and the people behind the scenes like Gary, uh, it was it was a really feel good story. And I remember there was a time where we thought they were going to be the villains, but I don't know how we can call them the villains. I, I think this is just such a fantastic story. You know, what I wondered about last night was um, players like when it was obvious that Jack Eichel was going to go to the Vegas Golden Knights. We were all wondering, okay, how are they going to do this? How are they going to make this work? Work cap wise. Um, who's going to go? And we wondered about Riley Smith, right? It ended up being Alex Tuck and, and Peyton Krebs and draft picks, but that that's one of the people that we that we wondered about. Like I always wonder about, you know, the players that just missed out winning the Stanley Cup, right? Like Mike Gartner on that Rangers team before they won it in 1994, just missing out on the uh, on on the Stanley Cup victory. Speaking of salary cap, you know who I'm happy for, and this is a great story. This is a great story. I know who you're going to say. Uh, don't play hockey or Tom Perhaska. Yep. So for those that don't know, Tom started years ago a very, very popular and successful and elite um, uh, public salary cap website called General Fanager. And he parlayed that into a job with the Vegas Golden Knights where he helped with, and Gary was talking about this a couple of seconds ago, how the Vegas Golden Knights handled their cap. And he started that, much like Matthew Weiss uh, started his years and years ago because he wanted to know how Zetterberg's contract was going to fit into his, his, his uh, Detroit Red Wings team's salary structure. Prohaska started that as a hobby and turned it into a career. And now he's, turned a, he's helped turn that into a Stanley Cup. So when you're looking for inspirational stories about the Stanley Cup and the Vegas Golden Knight. Think of Tom, man, because that's, uh, that's a real beauty one. Anyway, let's get to some clips. We haven't heard from uh, from Vegas Golden Knights players. This is pre-buckling <laughs> from last night. Yes. While players are still on the ice. Who are we starting with? Uh, let's start with uh, the captain, Mark Stone, who spoke with uh, Kyle Bukowskis uh, right, after, right before he got the cup, I believe. Mark, you are as emotional as they come when it comes to moments of joy. So what's running through you right now? I'm surprisingly pretty calm right now, but... Listen to this. Listen to this right now. It's unbelievable. These fans have been unbelievable since day one of the program here. So, I mean, I can't put words to describe it. You know, the six guys who've been here since day one creating this culture. I mean, and now we got 
We got a Stanley Cup in Las Vegas. I can't believe I'm doing it with this group of guys. It's it's so special, it's unbelievable. How would you describe how a sixth round draft pick? And I know Kelly McCrimmon had a big hole in that too, but a sixth round draft pick becoming a captain of a Stanley Cup champion and a hat trick in the clincher. Hi. This team's built to win. Um, it's not just one guy. Somebody's got to step up every night, and we had somebody do that every every game that we won on this on this way. You can name 25 guys that played for us in this playoff. Probably 30 throughout the season. Everybody has a has a piece of this puzzle. It's unbelievable. I, I don't I don't know what to say. It's coming here and the uh, city welcoming everybody here and embracing this team. I man, I can't even describe it. No one celebrates like Mark Stone. No, there are no better goal celebrations, no better Stanley Cup celebrations. And I still, for for my money, that man endured the hardest body check I've ever seen in my life. You can find it on YouTube. Just type in Dustin Bufflin, Mark Stone. I don't know how. I don't know how Mark Stone got up with his body intact. Anyhow, I think everyone's thrilled with that guy, and he's he's one of the best two-way players in the game. Uh, even though he's a winger, and I know we only give the Selkie to centers, um, somewhere along the way, this is a guy, much like Marion Hosta previous, should have won a Selkie trophy. Um, one of the best you know, two-way players the game has to offer. And for those of you that say you have to be a burner in the NHL, you have to be able to wheel, collect enough speed in the neutral zone, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Stone. Does not get there quickly, but when he gets the puck, he's great uh, puck protection, using his body, using his stick, all of it. Uh, I think we all have a lot of time for Mark Stone, and he got the party started with that shorthanded goal yesterday, getting in really tight on uh, on Sergei Bobrovsky's selling pass, only to tuck it uh, just in between him, uh, Bobrovsky's glove, and the far post. Anyhow, um, congratulations to him. Who else we got, Maddie? Uh, this one is a very special one um, because we've talked about this a lot. Uh, here's Jack Eichel. What a journey. Put it into work. It's hard to now. Uh, it's, t- it's, it's hard to come up with something. I mean, it's, uh, it's the best feeling in the world. Um, you know, we had, uh, we had a pretty, pretty good run there and I just love those guys in that room and so happy to be here and you know we, we battled through the playoffs we, I mean I just give everyone so much credit management ownership the whole organization it's um it's a really special organization and uh, I just feel blessed to be a part of it Jack what about your personal journey I mean there was probably doubt sometimes that crept in you would maybe never get this opportunity it's here you've done it what does this mean to you what gave you the strength yeah, I mean, a lot of adversity, um, but, you know, coming here and being with these guys every day, it really changed my outlook on a lot of things, and I started to, uh, you know, really enjoy coming to the rink again, and, um, you know, obviously got my health back, and I can't give the Knights, the entire organization, enough credit for allowing me to come in here, you know, get a surgery, and, and uh, get back out, and, you um, I mean, we just have an unbelievable group of guys in that room that really, really care about each other. And when you're going on a run like this, it's uh, it's hard to process what's going on while it's happening. But when that thing comes out of there, it's, uh, it's a pretty special feeling. Jack Eichel changed the game of hockey. Um, and not necessarily on the ice, but off of it. Although on the ice, I still would have given him the Consumized Trophy. Um, sorry, Jonathan so but nonetheless... Um, the way that he stood up for and the way that he fought for the surgery that he believed in and not the one that the Buffalo Sabres wanted, which was spinal fusion, which is the way that it's always been done um, in the NHL, the way that he refused and the way that he insisted on uh, Dr. Pressmack's artificial disc replacement, something that had been used in numerous sports, most notably the NFL and MMA, um, changed the game for players. One, I think it opened players' eyes to the fact that in that previous round of negotiations, they had surrendered control over how their injuries are treated. And two, 
Eichel showed that that can be a successful surgery for NHLers. Afterwards, Tyler Johnson had that surgery. Um, Joel Farabee had that surgery from the Philadelphia Flyers. And I would imagine now that the door is very much open that uh, other hockey players will go the Jack Eichel route. Influential player and now Stanley Cup champion. Greg Wyshynski joins me in a couple of moments. MVSW Redux each and every Wednesday here. Yes, we're talking about the Cup in Vegas and the Panthers. More, 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 more. Vegas Rear Cup champs. Merrick Show continues. Sportsnet Radio Network simulcast on 360 and Sportsnet Now. More on the champs in moments. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Lou. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, indeed it is, and uh, welcome back to it. Uh, thanks, as always, for stopping by on the program today. Whether you uh, are here for a couple of minutes or the full two hours, either live or uh, on podcast, I and all of us here, thank you. Uh, Matt Marchese is one of those people. And, uh, Maddie, I want to make sure we get to this Jackie Redmond interview with uh, Paul Maurice. Can we tee this one up here quickly so we make sure that we get the full thing in? Because, first of all, Jackie's been great all season long, whether it's NHL Network or NHL on TNT. And Paul Maurice just pretty much, it, it's impossible for him not to deliver when he's near a microphone. But this combination was, was really good last night after the game. Yeah, they were. And uh, Jackie does a, a great job here, of course, as she always does. But Paul really kind of, it felt like he kind of opened his soul up. And uh, after what we know, what he went through in Winnipeg, this kind of put everything all into perspective. So here's uh, here's Paul Maurice with Jackie Redmond. Well, obviously not the way that you wanted this to end. And, and this team has battled through so many injuries. And then you lose Matthew Kachuk tonight. We just heard you in the presser talk about his fractured sternum. How hard was it for him to accept that he could not play in this game? Oh, I mean, there's two pieces to that. The mental part of it not being there killed him, but he knew. I mean, one of the things about him, he's an incredibly bright young man, so he can assess his own game. He knew. We all knew that the hope would be that if we could get five more days of rest into him, there was a chance for game seven, but he, uh, you know, he came back, he, he fractured that, and he came back and scored the game triangle net front. And then you could see him in the next game trying to find a way to play with a broken bone. And he, I think he had the three best chances we had to score. He had, he had three of the four for sure. But clearly he also knew that, that the other four guys on the ice needed a, needed a guy who could do other things. So he accepted it. He understood. Well, he's not the only one that battled through this series. Gudis has missed time. Duclair has missed time. Uh, Montour has missed time. What can you say about the character of this group? Because they never seem to stop fighting. Yeah. There's a thousand stories in that room, Jackie, truly. Aaron Eckblad broke his foot in the Boston series. May have to. Boston? In the Boston series. Then he popped his shoulder out twice, passed a concussion gate test, and tore his oblique. And he drove that puck up the ice in, in game three, uh, kept it in, we scored, and we scored tonight. So we have some incredible stories. It wasn't actually this series. The vast majority of our injuries came in the Boston series, and, and, and they survived it. And I love these guys. I've never seen a group of men. Radko got hurt here, high ankle sprain. That's a six-week rehab. He missed a period. You know, it was, it was wonderful to watch. Well, it's been a hell of a run for the Florida Panthers, even though it didn't end the way that you guys wanted to. Uh, you've been around for a minute, Paul. Um, what has this year meant to you as a coach? You get cynical when you get old, right? We, pro sports makes, sometimes makes that happen. The game is wonderful. It's beautiful. But the best part about sports for all the things that you want your kids to learn when you put them in sports, for all the for all the great character stories we're all in that room this year from training camp on. We're casual with our words sometimes, but that group of guys loves each other every day. The way they treat each other 
completely destroyed any cynicism I might have about pro sports. It was absolutely, I don't even necessarily feel that I was a part of it, but it was a wonderful thing to be a spectator of and to see it every day. So it was at the very least profession affirming for me. Hmm. That is, uh, that's a great answer. Um, and that's a perspective check and that's a perspective answer. And that is a great environment for that answer created, um, by an excellent broadcaster and Jackie Redmond. Um, that was a great, that was a great piece of audio, uh, and a wonderful interview from a great broadcaster and a wonderful and thoughtful coach. Uh, what do we have next, Matty? You're at time. Time is getting, uh, time is not our friend right now. What else do we have here? Uh, let's get to Alec Martinez. <clears throat> this was uh, another cup for Ooh, Alec yeah, Martinez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was good. And this interview, um, the Paul Maurice one hit me in the feels. Uh, watching the Alec Martinez uh-huh. one, that definitely hit me in the feels. So <clears throat> let's uh, let's hear from Alec Martinez. Alec, uh, business as usual for you, a third Stanley Cup. What is it about you and this time of year? Because once again, uh, a huge goal at the right time. I'll say the same thing I said last time. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Um, but no, it's, I'm just so happy for these guys. I mean, I think, uh, it's, I've been really fortunate to play for a lot of really good teams. And, um, it's different this time around. I mean, I, I was a young guy. I was 24, 26 last time, and it was, it was really cool to see some of those older guys, you know, finally reach the reach their goal and win a Stanley Cup and now I'm kind of on the other end of it where you know, I'm an older guy that's gone through it and I, I see some of the younger guys that you know it, all of us older guys there's such good leadership on this team we try to help those guys out and um, but that said it's nothing that I that I did or anyone else those young guys it's it's on them and it's it's different this time around to see the young guys hoist it you pass the Stanley Cup it's quick Tell us about that. Hockey's poetic. I I don't really know what else to say about that. I think uh, um, things happen for a reason. I know this is just a sport. There's a lot of bigger things in life than hockey, but guys go through a lot of emotional battles, a lot of physical battles in order to get here. And Quickie's certainly one of them. And, and what he's done in his career and, you know, the way he... Uh, the way it went down around the trade di- deadline for him, you know, it's it's poetic. I'm, I'm pretty happy to pass it off to that guy because I sure as hell never thought I would. I want you, you talk about the physical. Last year you got hurt, and it was hard. And, uh, you know, Alec, your career could have been over, and a year later you're here celebrating again. Uh, uh, you're going to make me cry. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, last year was uh, was the hardest year of my career, possibly my life. Um, you know, I couldn't have done it without a lot of people. One of them being my wife, uh, who's right over there, by the way. Um, our training staff, our organization, the way that I ha- they had my back and the things and the lengths that they went to to help me get better. All the doctors and specialists, they know their names. There's one in particular. He's probably watching right now, but it's Chad Prusmack. And um, he's certainly going to get an invite to my cup party. But uh, a, lot of, a lot of people to thank, and I, I truly believe that um, if I were part of some other organizations, I think that you know maybe I'd be looking at the end last year. But these, this particular group did everything they could to help me feel feel as close to normal again as possible and you know it's is for them he only played 26 games last season and interesting that um the the doctor that he cut that he uh that he shouted out specifically dr chad Prusmack was the uh the the, uh, the doctor and the surgeon uh who performed the artificial disc replacement he's a denver-based uh doctor um, he performed the ADR surgery on Jack Eichel. He is a much respected and much adored, as you can hear from uh, Alec Martinez. And you get Jack Eichel talking about Dr. Prusmack. Uh, they're singing from the same hymn book. Uh, very widely respected doctor around NHL circles and certainly around Vegas Golden Knights circles. I love the way he talked, Maddie, about Jonathan Quick and how, like, Jonathan Quick was. I don't know, blindsided. Um, Jonathan Quick was surprised at what happened to him this year around trade deadline time. 
Like I was told, he didn't even leave LA after he got traded initially to uh, to Columbus. That he stayed, and Columbus did the right thing by him and moved him to the Vegas Golden Knights and had some good games. Uh, you know, obviously wasn't a factor in the final. This became the Aiden Hill show. Before that, it was the Laurent Bossois show. But I was really happy. Like if it's if 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 that's it for Jonathan Quick, and it might be. I think we'll look back at 2012 and say, you know, even if only for one season, it must be nice to know that you're the best in the world at your job. And in 2012, there was no better netminder in the world than Jonathan Quick. That was epic command performance. I love the fact that it was Martinez, you know, him and Quick teammates with the Los Angeles Kings. I loved it that that was the person that Alec Martinez handed the cup to because I, I'm with him. Like, I didn't think for a second at the beginning of the season, like, you go, okay, you can see the Vegas Golden Knights winning the cup. But for Martinez to have the ability to hand that to Jonathan Quick and for Jonathan Quick, if this is it indeed, uh, to go out as a Stanley Cup champion, Maddie, that sure is special. Um, all right. Thanks to everyone who was on the show today. Uh, thanks to people that were sober. Thanks to people who weren't. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN, who drops by every Wednesday here for MBSW Redux. Um, and also Gary Lawless. Man, I got all day. In, I got all day for Gary Lawless. Um, when he was in Manitoba working for the competition. Now that he's with the Vegas Golden Knights. Love having him on. Love talking to him. He's always a wonderful host whenever I'm in Vegas. Great guy. Really happy for him and the entire Vegas Golden Knights organization. Thanks to Matt Marchese. Thanks to Lance Kennedy. Thanks to Jen Rolnick. So that was our look at Game 5. Tomorrow we have a look at what's next around the NHL. Thanks so much for joining me. Much appreciated as always. Merrick Show returns in 22 hours across the Sportsnet Radio Network.